As we had uh, mentioned before, we have been looking at a spiritual fitness program here at church. And part of that program includes different components, and we've been looking at those all month, and I, I thought it would be good probably for us to just quickly review what we've looked at so far, simply because, as I said before, we tend to forget. We tend to forget what our resolution is and what it is that we should be doing. So let's look at what our, our spiritual fitness program was all about, about getting in shape. And we use that word shape, each letter, to remind us of what we should do and the purposes behind it. You know, most uh, fitness programs have some kind of a diet component to it, right? They'll tell you what you should be eating and what you shouldn't be eating. And that's true, too. That's how we should start off our spiritual fitness program. What are we putting into our souls? Obviously, a key there is not to listen to the junk food that the world serves up, but to listen to what God gives us, the rich blessings of his word. And so we start out our program by studying the scriptures. And the purpose for that is so that we would have a, a healthy heart, one that's beating strong with, with the love of God. Now, a lot of fitness programs also will have some kind of a motivational component to it all. In other words, where a, a trainer or whomever is going to kind of get in your head and make sure that you're thinking differently or that you have a, a different attitude. And so we use the letter A in our program to remind us that we need to adopt a new attitude. And we use that word adopt because we were reminded that we have been adopted. We have been adopted into the family of God, made his children all by his love, by his grace. And now he looks at us as being his dearly loved children and holy. With that in mind then, his purpose is that we would live out this new, new life, this, this faith, by practicing Christ-like love. So we looked at those components last week. So we have one more component, and that is to exercise. Just as most physical fitness programs are going to have some kind of an exercise component to it, so is God's plan have one. And so today we want to talk about exercising our faith. We're going to look at the words of the Apostle Paul from his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 4, where he tells us about exercising. He writes, As a prisoner for the Lord then... I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by supporting ligament, 
grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Well, you can get a sense of what Paul is talking about, that we are to exercise our faith. Having studied the scriptures, adopting a new attitude, having a healthy part, heart and wanting to practice love, he says, now exercise that faith. And so it's time for us to exercise. Now, when people go into a, uh, a physical exercise program, they may do it in a number of different ways. They may join a gym so they can use all that equipment that's there. But there's also some benefit of being around other people, too, because you get some encouragement from everybody doing the same thing and having the same focus. Well, that's kind of our purpose, too, to gather together, as we heard, like in the small groups, to give that encouragement to one another to grow. But, you know, sometimes doctors will just say simply, walk. That's a good exercise, just walk. And that's why we all start wearing these things, right? These Fitbits, so that we're reminded of how many more steps we need or if we got our goal for the day, because walking is important. Paul was just talking about walking. But you may not have heard it that way because of the the Bible translation, it kind of changed the wording a little bit from the original Greek. But here's a different Bible translation that, that's a little better to reflecting the original Greek of the Bible. He said, therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. And I personally like that word walk as it describes our life. Because when you talk about walking, you're thinking about each step that you take. You're talking about what you're doing. You're thinking about the path. You're thinking about where you're going and what's around you. So Paul said, walk. Live your life as a walk. But note how he qualifies it now. Worthy of the calling you have received. That word uh, worthiness talking about balance. Have balance in your life. Now, the kind of balance he's talking about is balance with the calling that you've received. All right, so picture it this way. Um, remember those pan scales you had in junior high science class, right? So picture God's calling that you've received down here. And, and your life, your walk is here. And what he's saying, live a life worthy. Live with balance. Live in such a way that you are reflecting that calling. In fact, Paul really emphasizes it as he writes it in the original Greek, which isn't reflected here either, but it's this. He says, worthy of the calling with which you were called. You see, our English Bible translators remember their English teacher saying, don't use the same word over and over. Don't be so redundant. And so they said, oh, the calling you have received. But literally, the Holy Spirit said, the calling with which you were called. What he's doing is simply reminding us of our calling. Let's take a look at that first. In, in typical Paul fashion, this letter to the Ephesians starts out with Paul de defining Christian doctrine. And from that, he flows into describing our Christian duty. So when we look at his, when he, these words where he says, live a life in balance with your calling, we need to go back and see what was he talking about? What is this calling? Well, in the beginning of chapter 1, he reminds us how we have been 
called to faith. That is how we've been given faith. Listen how God reveals your spiritual life story. Here's a few verses from chapter 1. For he chose us in him, that is in Christ. God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world. Isn't that fantastic? Your life story started before the creation of the world. Before you were even around, I think. To be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. When it says he predestined us, it means he planned out our life ahead of time. Now he describes what he wanted to have happen. He goes on. And you also then were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So God was so concerned and, and so in love with you that he saw to it, your life was planned out, that somewhere in your life you would hear the message of truth. You would hear the gospel. Maybe it was in baptism. Maybe it was from your parents in Sunday school class or from a friend. But somewhere you would hear the message of truth. And God was so in love that he wanted to keep you in that truth that he also marked you with a seal. Now the seal that he's talking about is not that animal out in the ocean with its flippers and balances a ball on its nose. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like a seal like we have in our peanut butter jars to see that there's no tampering to protect. You see, God wants to keep us. He wants to protect us in that saving truth. And so he gives us the Holy Spirit to keep us in that faith to which he called us. Now he describes that message of truth we heard. In chapter 2, he simply puts it this way. You've been saved by grace. You see, he points out telling us what our natural spiritual condition is like. That when we were born, we were actually dead, not alive. We were dead in transgressions and sins. We did not have faith in God, and we only had sin, and so we needed forgiveness. It's a horrible way to start life. But God would intervene. Listen how Paul changes that around now. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So Paul is simply reminding us of that wonderful message of salvation about Jesus. What he has done for us. That though we were dead and, and objects of God's wrath, he loved us and saved us. He took his wrath because of our sin and he poured that out on Jesus instead of us. And then the righteousness, that, that perfect obedience that we need in order to get to heaven and we don't have, he took it from Jesus who lived that perfect life and simply gives it to us through our faith in him. Now I tell you, that's a perfect plan. Perfect plan. 
You know, if God had said to us, uh, hey, all you uh, engineers out there in Silicon Valley, why don't you design a salvation program for yourself? Could you imagine what mess we would come up with? We'd say, oh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll do this and I'll do that. And, and even though I might fail sometimes or have other things get in the way, God, I, I know you're just going to look at my good intentions and you'll say, oh, yeah, you're fine. Come on in. Ain't going to work. Because God says we have to be absolutely perfect and we are not. But Jesus was. So this is the perfect plan. Jesus was the perfect substitute for me in every way. And now God simply gives me Jesus through that message of truth. And I'm saved by grace. But God isn't done with us yet. Paul goes on now in chapter 3 to tell us that, that God has gathered us together now as believers with a purpose to work for him. Listen how he describes it. Through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So he has gathered us all together. But now Paul says, for a purpose, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. And so all of us have been gathered together now for this purpose to serve others with God's love. You know, if, if, if God simply wanted to save us, to give us eternal life, to take us to heaven, then why didn't he just take us once we believed? Why did he leave us here? Because he has a purpose for us. And that purpose is to serve others. So you see, Paul, in a very beautiful way, just illustrates what our spiritual life story is like. What's yours like? I can tell you what mine is like. It's not very exciting, I suppose. No, no big events in it. But one that has a lot of assurance and comfort. I was baptized when I was an infant, probably just a couple of weeks old. Because my parents believed, as the church teaches, that, that baptism is for children, for infants, to give them that faith and forgiveness they need. So I know that I was baptized early on. And then raised in a Christian home, going to Sunday school so that I would hear the stories about Jesus. And then when I was in junior high, going to what we call catechism class and being taught the basic truths of the scriptures so that my faith would grow. And then in high school, I continued on going to a Christian high school. And, and then I had the opportunity in my church to serve when they asked if I would be a Sunday school teacher. Well, I was thrilled with that opportunity. And that was part of the, one of the best things in my life because it put me into the scriptures, studying God's word. And, and it was such a joy to be able to teach that word to others that God used it to lead me to say, I want to go into ministry. And so from there I went to college and to seminary, and then God plucked me down in Southern California for many years, and then in 2007, you called me up here to be your pastor. So there's my life. Isn't that a yawner? <laughs> <laughs> but I can see how God was working. What's your 
spiritual life story like? I'm sure that if we compared notes, we'd all have different details in our story, but there would be a lot of things that we would have in common. Those simple three things that Paul taught us. We've been called to faith. We've been saved by grace. And we've been gathered to work. And you know what's exciting? As, as boring as that life might be, <laughs> it's not over. My story is still unfolding. God still has, I hope, more chapters left for me here to serve him. And he does for you too. And that's what Paul now is talking about. That's your calling. Now walk according to that calling. And that calling comes with a commission, with an assignment from God, with a purpose, and that is to build up the body of Christ. Remember how he said it? That he wants to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So here's our spiritual fitness program and purpose, to build one another up. Now, how does he do that? Well, he uses people. There are special people that God has put in this world to conduct that program. Paul said, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. These are some of the people that I call the, the foundation layers, the apostles and the prophets. They laid that foundation upon which we are built with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. The apostles were those 12 men that, that Jesus specifically picked and trained to be his ambassadors. That's what an apostle is, an ambassador. They are sent on a special mission with a special important message. And those apostles weren't delivering their own message. It was the word of God. God used them. The Holy Spirit worked through them to write down the message of salvation. And we have that preserved for us in the scriptures. The prophets, likewise, were special people whom God picked, not just to predict the future. The word prophet simply means to speak. They were God's spokesmen. They spoke about God's law, pointing out our sin, and then pointing to the Savior. God has preserved that message for us in the scriptures. That's the foundation on which we base our faith, God's word. But then he also gave evangelists and pastors and teachers. I call those the trainers. These are the ones now who are doing some of that building on that foundation, but training the others. Evangelists are people simply who speak the evangel, the Greek word for the gospel. They want to share that good news of salvation by God's grace in Jesus. Pastors and teachers share a, a similar duty. They are to be, as the word pastor implies, shepherds. They are to gather people together. They are to feed them. They are to guide them along in God's will. They are to comfort and protect them. And teachers do the same thing. And so we are the ones now who are training, equipping God's people for those works of service. And that's everybody else. Everybody in the church is a builder. 
Paul is going to use that illustration now of a body with its different parts and its ligaments. He's going to say, from him, that is from Christ, the head, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So God has put us all together as a body. And everyone is there to build, to build one another up in love. So whether you're, you're, you're a muscle, a ligament, a, a joint, or an internal organ, you all have a purpose, a function in this body of Christ. Now how do we know what that function is? Now remember these words from our scripture reading before? There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit, God, is the one who distributes them. There are different kinds of service, different things God wants us to do, but we're all serving the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. And with those words, he's reminding us we have a purpose now. And our purpose is that we will build each other up, that we would grow in love. Grow in God's, grow in God's love. Knowing his love for us in Jesus. That, that unconditional love. That love that can never be stopped. That love that can, we can never be separated from. You know, life, life sometimes um, has some difficult spots in it, huh? Sometimes there are some hardships that come. Sometimes a lot of troubles or talent challenges, doubts and fears. But, but God's love cuts through it all. God's love overrides all of that. And that's why he says you need to grow in God's love for those troubles, for those challenges that are going to come know God's love. And, and so together we are to build each other up in that love. And he tells us why. So that we grow into maturity. Now what does he mean by maturity? Well, he explained that. He said, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You know, the Bible teaches a lot of things. But the most important thing, and the one thing that runs through all of the scriptures, is Christ. That's why we will always teach Christ. And I pray that you will never grow tired of hearing about Jesus. Because he is what we need and must grow up into. And Paul tells us why. It says, then you will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. You see, the devil is out to get us. And he's going to try to do it by pulling us away from Christ and away from his word. And so we must grow in that maturity so we understand the fullness of Christ and his will for us. So exactly how should we do that? What's, what's the fitness program look like for us to exercise our faith? We'll start by identifying 
your gift. That is how God wants to use you. What are your abilities? What are your interests? And how can they be used in God's will? The Apostle Paul, uh, Peter rather, gives us this encouragement when he writes, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as, the one who, as one who's speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Now, if you're unsure what your gifts might be, we can help you with that. We have a, a little tool, a little inventory that you can take. It's called a spiritual gift analysis. And it'll lead you through identifying what your interests and, and gifts are. And then we can take that and focus you on different areas in the congregation where you can use that gift. Or maybe you, you already know what your gifts and interests are, and that's great. Then, then listen for the opportunities that he puts before us. Seize those opportunities. You'll, you'll hear them about them through other people. You'll hear about them in, in the bulletin or from me. Seize that opportunity. I used to have a poster in my classroom. It said, great opportunities for serving God come seldom. But little ones surround us every day. Whether you're a parent, you have a career, you have different recreational things that you do, there's opportunities around you all the time to serve others with God's love. So simply step up and serve. Don't be distracted. Don't ignore it. Don't turn the other way. If God has put an opportunity before you, seize that opportunity and serve. Now, I know sometimes we think, oh, but I'm so busy. I got so much going on. Or we think, you know, somebody else will do it. I know somebody else always steps up and somebody else always does. But maybe God wants you to serve. Serve. You will find that it's a blessing to you as well as to others. Now, let, me leave, let me leave you with this final thought as we're talking about exercising our faith. You know the company Nike and how they specialize in athletic shoes and athletic gear, right? Trying to emphasize athletics and exercise. Did you know that the word Nike is actually a Greek word that means victory? Well, that's how God wants us to serve, to just do it, because of a victory. He urges us to, to, to get in shape, study the scriptures for a healthy heart, adopt a new attitude so you can practice Christ-like love, and then exercise your faith. But God gives us the motivation and the promise, the end result of what will happen when we do this. He says, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And God bless us as we get into shape.